I think what needs to be acknowledged is that these are young, these are teenagers that are actually experiencing very, very traumatic things, like mm-hmm. seeing their friends pass away, like being involved in violence, like, and then they're just having to continue and go to school the next day. Yeah, <laughs> it's mad. Welcome back to another episode of the Coco Girls, episode 33. I am Daria. Hi guys, welcome. I'm Nai. How's everyone doing? People answer. How are you doing? How's I'm doing alright. Yeah, it's been, been like a pretty average week, not gonna lie. Um, yeah, just here, same old. How about you? How Wait, are you feeling? Hair colour? Is that purple? Yeah, it's a little burgundy something something, you know, for oh, the people. Oh, that's purple hair. That's lovely. Okay, I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? How's your week been? Midea, midea. How are your deadlines? Midea, midea, we are supporting midea. you still. Midea. Yeah, thanks for all the love, all the support. Um, <sighs> we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Of course. Have you got a new nose stud? Yeah, because I lost my little one. I don't like this big, fat, hefty one that's in my nose. That makes it look like there's a ladybird on me. I'm finished. I really like it. I want a bigger one for mine. I feel like it's so, like, pequeña. Like, what is this? No, I'm not feeling it. Like, and every loads of people keep saying to me, oh, my God, I didn't realise you had two on that side. And I'm just like, um, oh, because I had a little nose stud before. But I do. had it for time. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Um... So, I'm going to be doing the news this week, and we got stuff from all over the gaff. Um, we're going to start quite, yeah, we're going to start quite um, quite solemn. So, I'm sure you've all seen photos of um, Haitian people at the Texas border in the USA being grossly mistreated. So, border patrol officers are on horseback using whips. They are running Haitian people into the river. And while they're doing this, I might add, they are smiling from ear to ear in every picture that I have seen. Mm. Um, it's really like, the videos are really gruesome. Uh, the pictures is just like, it's heart-wrenching. So if you haven't already seen it and you don't want to, I understand that. I'm just going to talk about it briefly. Actually, no, not briefly at all. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about it. So mm. um, firstly, I thought we could talk a bit about like why this is even happening. So, well, I mean, let's talk about recent reasons because obviously historically we know that Haiti uh, has been going through a lot. They were the first, um, not even the first, the only nation on earth to free themselves from slavery and they've always paid the price. Um, Mm -hmm. That's always been hellfire for them. But yeah, they're in the midst of a social and political crisis, as we know. We've spoken about it on podcasts before. Um... Gang violence, protests, food and fuel shortages, and they just had um, the earthquake in August, which killed like 2,000 people, 30,000 homeless. <laughs> yeah. Um, and on top of like the corruption and violence and poverty that we already know about, so I don't need to go into it too much. Obviously, the president was assassinated. Was it in Was it in August as well? Or was that September? I feel like it was August, but don't yeah. Either way, it was recent, um, and a lot of um, 
a lot of the shit going on with gangs, like they have like um, political backing or like police are helping them because it favours both sides. Um, the violence right now is being compared to that of a civil war. Mm-hmm. Uh, civilians are obviously getting caught in crossfire. Uh, there, there's been robberies. Um, there's no public services right now. People are being kidnapped. Jeez. So yeah, it's it's really really awful. Um, there's like s- smaller things happening, like rubbish not being collected, and uh, which is like o- obviously awful. But I'm just mentioning it because like compared to the other things, it sounds so silly to say. But I'm just putting like the whole like picture out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like there's there's not running water in a lot of places, and also like clean toilet facilities or any at all in some places. So someone, he runs peacemaking initiatives. His name is Louis Henri Mas. And he's saying that there's no normal life anymore. Um, and it's all very much like gang controlled. And people have no access to food. So it makes sense after all of like, hearing all this, people are fleeing. And um, the scenes at the border, um, most of us would agree, and it's been said all over social media, are very reminiscent of the violence that was depicted during slavery like it literally looks like something you would see in slavery um times Mm -hmm. and i was watching a couple of press conferences so some reporters were asking white house representative what the consequences will be for these individuals patrolling up and down and i don't know her name but the woman said she doesn't have enough information or context to Mm -hmm. comment She acknowledges that the scenes are horrific, but she reluctantly said it's unacceptable uh, and nobody should be allowed to behave this way. And she can't think how this scenario could be appropriate, but again, she needs more info. Typical politician response. Thank you. Because human beings, because I differentiate between them and politicians, when you see these images, my first thought wasn't, hmm, but I need some context. No, like, obviously we all know the media can portray things in certain ways, but, like, at the end of the day, if you're on a horse and you're whipping somebody, I can see that with my own eyes. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, mm. it's inhumane. Um, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, I never know, but anyway. <sighs> she she came up to say her thing. She said that um, it's horrible, okay? Human beings are never to be treated in this way, and she supports the investigation into what's happening. Um, she believes that the US has a lot more to do to support the Haitian people, um, and they're fleeing their country because they cannot satisfy their basic needs, which she believes is a tragedy. Now, her statement, like, obviously it was wishy-washy. It wasn't um, awful to me what she said. Like, it was it was fine. But I think what really annoyed me is that, like, she and many others failed to comment on the fact that the actions of these border patrol officers is rooted in white supremacy. That is what you need to be talking about right now. Obviously, that's not going to happen. I'm living in the fantasy world. She's an but... agent of white supremacist patriots. <laughs> so I wouldn't expect anything different from her. Like, I, yeah. I know that bare people were excite, excited when she was elected. Mm, elected. As, uh, what is she again? Vice president. That's it. That's the one. Mm. Um, but she's an enemy of progress, isn't it? Like, she is, mm. and she's, she's an agent of she's a white porn. supremacist patriarchy. She's not even a yeah. porn. She actively participates. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. That's yeah. what makes it even worse. But, yeah. Um, um, no, it's fine. She... Yeah, so basically, I would have liked to have heard that, obviously, knowing that's not going to happen. Um, but a girl can dream. I want government officials and politicians to say that seeking asylum is legal. They're, like, that needs to be just said 
into a microphone for people to hear because calling these people migrants and undocumented immigrants is very iffy considering they are literally seeking asylum. I don't know everyone's story who's at the border, but we have like quite a um, quite a picture here. Mm-hmm. And there are approximately 600,000 undocumented, mostly white Canadians in America. Speak and I have the never... Them. Speak the things, them, please. <laughs> I have never seen such images um, related to those people. I don't see Border Patrol whipping them, blocking them from entry, let alone treating them like cattle. Um, so yeah, I just can't. That's what I wanted to say there. Yeah, um, the images mm-hmm. I haven't been able to watch anything about it, but I came across one image on um, there's this Instagram platform Black Men Smile, and it's just Black Men Smile. Mm. It's just you know sometimes. Oh, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds and, so nice. Um, it was just this image, and a lot of time they feature like black men with their family, like their children, and mm. there's just this one image of this Haitian man at the border, and he's holding his baby. Yeah, and it's just like. My my heart can't my heart can't like my I can't I can't do it. That was that was so so sad to see like the just like innocent kids being forced to live this life, man. Oh, I just seen the Instagram you're talking about. Yeah, it's a lovely. Oh, that's beautiful. If you want to like light up your day, sometimes go. go Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, let me just give a quick quick follow. Okay, so um, (laughs) (laughs) on to something. Um. (laughs) <laughs> just silly oh, wait, before you do that before you do that yeah can I, can I just round off the solemn seg- segment quickly before, of course I don't, I don't want you to bring it up and then i'm gonna bring it down again but i just no, want no. to say um rest in peace to dr charles w mills um distinguished jamaican professor of professor of philosophy at the graduate center of the city university of new york he passed away on monday 20th of september using oh, enough of his work in my current thesis um he's known for his work mm. in social and political philosophy african-american africana philosophy critical philosophy of race ethics and marxist thought he authored over 100 journal articles and six books the most cited of which being the racial contract so yeah just wanted to slip that in there yeah of course man rest in peace thank you for um for saying that so yeah right calling women birds is plainly sexist, judge rules as Barclays banker wins discrimination claim. Um, listen. What kind of I've bird lived... would you be? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I've lived in this here UK my whole entire life, yeah? Apart from a few stints abroad, but here is where I reside. And <laughs> the, the vernacular, the... The words oh, that Cockney, are sometimes used Cockney, in different Rams, regions, yeah. From, you have to respect people and how they want to be addressed, fully, fully, fully. But also, um, when I first read this, I just thought, have you been to, like, have you met a Scouser before? Do you know what I mean? Th- things happen. However... This is white women, white women and their feminism, bruv. They have a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> they've got different... They've got different... Um, yeah, let's word it that way. Now, this story, I have to say, um, is a bit different because she specifically asks, I think, for this okay. man to refrain from this. So that's different because you've been... It's been acknowledged, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you a bit about it. Um, Anna... Uh, Locatus, Locatus said her boss James Kinghorn continued to refer to her as a bird, which at first I was even laughing because it sounds like the like the insult, like you're a bird. You know what I mean? But yeah. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't yeah, despite requesting that he stop and warning that the term was making her feel uncomfortable, 
Um, so that part I thought was important to put in. Mr. Kinghorn still defended his use of the word as light-hearted, but Judge Crossfield <laughs> ruled against him, saying it was foolish to think anyone would find the remark funny. Um, but yeah, the um, Miss Lacatus worked as a forty-six thousand earning a year analyst with Barclays. It was her first job in investment banking since completing an investments and finance master's degree at Queen Mary University. Congratulations, Definitely girl. doing the wrong degree. Definitely I'm doing the wrong one. I'm dead. <laughs> 46 grand on finishing your master's. Blood. Yeah. Do you know what? There's so many um, entry-level jobs in certain fields that are like 50K, 60K to start, and I'm like, wow, like, That's must be nice. Gonna Google that. Don't still... <laughs> Um, and yeah, basically, um, Mr. Kinghorn told her she should not report him to HR over his use Ew. of the term. I feel like he messed up when he said that, Ew. you know, I could just imagine, do you know what I mean? I could imagine her being like, trying to maybe like allow it and then hearing that and being like, you know what? I'll see you at HR. <laughs> I'll and meet I'll you get, there. <laughs> I'll get more than 46k for the payout. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I don't know actually, um where this woman's from, what ethnicity is. I have no indication here. I mean, she could be from anywhere. So either way, uh, that happened. Uh, I... Again, my question, what mm. bird would you like to be called? What, what bird would you go for? What bird would you be? <laughs> They're all just so... Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not really like a bird, kind of. Peacocks are pink. Oh, right. So I've actually been on holiday before um, and encountered peacocks mm. and very... Um, very troubling beings. I find them quite aggressive. Um, mm. <laughs> um, I like to look at them from afar, but otherwise, no. Basically, I went to, I was in Croatia and I went to this little island mm. and you travel there by boat. And one king, like hundreds of years ago, um, decided to bring peacocks to this random island. And so now they're just there forever. And it's really strange. I don't know why I went there. Um, and the peacocks are very scary and I didn't want to be there anymore. And yeah. So not a peacock, maybe an eagle. They're powerful. They're ugly though. But also the female What bird is gone? Female peacocks don't tend to have um the like mad colourful. Oh the feathers. feathers. Yeah. But what do you mean? Like not all birds are birds. <laughs> birds are ugly. What about hummingbirds? Yeah, but like you're gonna get dashed. I need to be high up on the predator chain. What do you, you know mean? I mean? Do you see how fast they move? Are you mad? Mm, yeah. Their hearts beat mad fast as well. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Um, okay, so I just wanted to talk a bit about um, the Emmys. Um, Hell yes. So, first of all, um, NJ Rodriguez and Billy Porter, who play Blanca, Evangelista, and Praytel, in the Pose. Pose FX show, were nominated for Outstanding Lead Actress and Outstanding Lead Actor. Um, however, they both lost out to The Crowns, Olivia Coleman and Josh O'Connor. I'm shrugging right now. I've never watched The Crown. Oh, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored of all these white people winning all the time. I'm yeah. Like, what is boring. It's boring, 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 boring. I've heard, like, mixed reviews about The Crown. I cannot comment. I've never watched it. It's not my jam. But I've, I've heard mixed season. reviews. Mm, talk to us a little bit about that first season. Um, I feel like they definitely got intel from actually within the pa- palace. The Queen is a mad woman. Simple. Ew. simple um yeah uh, do you think that they they deserve these 
No, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. Mm. Come on. I'm bored. Okay. I'm bored. Um, so Billy Porter won the category back in 2019 for the show's second season, uh, but the snub was for Rodriguez, um, and that was the biggest upset for the fandom, including myself. Pose is... Oh, listen. If, you, if you have not watched Pose, watch Pose. However, I've seen a lot of critiques that are quite interesting mm-hmm. about it. Me too. But I was thinking we should discuss it one time, maybe with, with, with a fun guest. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, this was her first nomination for Pose after three seasons, making history as the first transgender actor to receive a Best Actress at the Primetime Emmys. Um, it made her loss to Coleman particularly devastating for fans. Uh, some saying Coleman is great uh, in The Crown, but you just kind of felt that MJ Rodriguez was the moment. Um, MJ was worthy of a win so why not make history and I think that would have been a beautiful thing to do but it didn't happen Um, I think they deserved it that show was powerful moving like just pure magic I've watched the whole thing and I won't say a word boop Uh, but yeah however um, the 2021 Emmy Award for writing for a um anthology series or movie went to i may destroy you by michaela cole and she dedicated the award to survivors of sexual abuse uh which i thought was very beautiful so congrats there i just want to say that like ban the british media because i listen to um like the times like like daily news evening standard mm-hmm. all them man there sometimes like, i listen to like the clip clips and stuff and when they mentioned the emmys they only mentioned the, the crown none mm. of them last time i checked michaela cole has british citizenship right she's she british i right? believe so yeah well, I, I believe so too none mm-hmm. of them you wouldn't think it none of them mentioned her not and obviously i know why they didn't mention her but mm-hmm. i'm also just like you're all actually fucking tired mad. of it like yeah whatever. I really like want us to be able to create our own shit and like celebrate ourselves. It's it's way it's very difficult to do obviously because we have these um, institutions already set up. But that just mm. that is such a prime example of like why we bothering. Um, okay, so the Fugees are going on their first tour together after twenty five years. Um, there is a tentative. <laughs> there is a tentative London date. For this reunion tour, which is the 6th of December, I believe. Um, this is my only statement. One day after my birthday. I was thinking that. So this is my only statement. If everyone agrees to instruct Lauren Hill with a different start time to the actual Thank time you. the set starts, <laughs> I would love to attend. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that sounds like a dream. I'm, I'm probably going to... Um, I don't know, I might be trying to get tickets, you know. But then I'm going to play myself because Lauren Hill does not respect punctuality. I don't know. No, I don't she know. She doesn't at all. At or even just showing all. up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Facts, facts I mean, I understand. You're Miss Lauren Hill. I get it. But yeah, still, yeah. Alarm me. Yeah. I'm going to think about this one. Um, yeah, that sounds sick. When I, when I read that, I was gassed. I'm not going to lie. Um, okay, oh, so. Yeah, this is. I'm taking a little bit of a turn here. I'm only going to touch on this briefly because it's just. Very, very mad um, and slightly gruesome. So, um, yeah, sorry. I'm just waiting for things to load. Okay, so there is a TikTok trend where people are removing their own IUDs. I'm, I'm um, sorry. I am sorry. Wheel up the thing real quick. Yep. A trend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I'm trying to stall here because I'm still getting the wheel of death. Okay, cool, we're back. Um, before I continue, 
I want to make this very clear. Do not, under any circumstances, do that. Absolutely not. I just want to make that very clear before I continue with any kind of report on this. Please don't do that. I don't even know why you would, but don't. Okay, so... um. Mm-mm. If you don't know, an IUD is a small contraceptive coil inserted into the wound to prevent pregnancy and sometimes to control periods and period pain. Uh, that's like a short explanation. Mm-hmm. So earlier this year, TikTok user Mickey Gallagher filmed a video of her DIY removal technique, Why? which has since gone viral. Why? Um, mm-hmm. So she said, um, come along for a little DIY IUD removal. Um, and she's diving right into this whole experience. Uh, she has 24,000 followers, which is a substantial audience in my opinion, mm-hmm. for something so, so ridiculous as this. Um, and yeah, she said, I... I did this and now my service is permanently open, more than it should be, and I can never get an IUD again. She said, if your IUD is resisting when you pull, do not encase it is embedded into your uterus. I mean, this to me is like, literally. So yeah, obviously like many medical professionals have come forward being like, it is imperative that you have your IUD removed by a GP, nurse or medical professional. So... If you see it flying around, please scroll past. No more views. No, I don't. If it's still up, I don't know. I, I didn't report, search it. Report. Report. Yeah. Report, I don't know if it's still there, but if it is, please, as Zara said, report. Uh, don't even. I don't even know. Like, because as I read this article, yeah, I saw in the intro it's saying that you know we've had like um, people eating like cinnamon. Do you remember that when everyone was like eating cinnamon oh, or something? Cinnamon challenge, yeah. Yeah, and then we've had, like, obviously we had, like, the Gorilla Glue situation. We've had, like, people eating Tide Pods. Yeah, we've had people um, eating, like, medication meant for horses. It's just, like... What's going on? I, 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 do you know what I mean? Like, I caramba, like, what what do I do? (laughs) But, yeah. Next, uh, I've got two more stories. So, Kano has created a white rum in partnership with Duppy Share. Duppy Share was founded by George Frost five years ago, and this partnership is the brand's first Jamaican expression. I hear you asking, who is George Frost? Yes, please. Um, <laughs> please hold while I pull up the tab. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so George Frost is a young white man, founder of award-winning Duppy Share Caribbean Rum, um, <sighs> <and> <laughs> Sorry, that was just my heart just came out. That was just giving away. My heart was making. <laughs> and he has an interview here with TT Liquor. Uh, he said that um, is he a white Jamaican? So no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is what he said. He said um, when asked, "Tell us a bit about your story. How did you get into the industry initially?" Um, was it a traditional affair or was it a bit more of a road less travelled? He said, definitely a road less travelled. I've obviously worked in a load of bars over the years, but never had my own bar or anything like that. Just sort of getting me through uni and stuff like that. But especially, but essentially, sorry, since we were old enough, me and my brothers and the rest of my family used to go to the Caribbean and just totally loved it. I love the Caribbean, I love rum. And it's probably about six or seven years ago that he realised that for him, rum was all about um, the Caribbean um, which is all about, according to him, fun, energy, excitement, and a welcoming nature. So he saw that there was not a single rum brand, in his opinion, that was doing that. So reflecting those things. Um, there were the cheap and tacky ones uh, that had like bats and pirates. And there was a really old and boring, expensive ones. But there wasn't one that was in the middle ground that was fun and different. So he wanted to bring that 
to the forefront. My question is, mm-hmm. how is this benefiting Jamaican people? Mm. So, this article is quite lengthy. I will, I'm not going to link it, but I recommend if you want to look it up, you can. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to link it, but that's too much of an affiliation in my opinion. But... Um, <laughs> Yes, he talks about how he went to a bar on a beach in Barbados and he was talking to a bartender there and... um, Stole his recipe. I don't... (laughs) 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 I'm dead. Um, And basically, uh, he overheard a bartender talking and saying there's a concept in whiskey called the angel share so as whiskey evaporates it goes up to the angels as the saying goes but in the caribbean they don't believe that they think that these crazy spirits this is what he said called duppies come along steal the rum and then go and have a massive party so that's why the whole name duppy share came about i've i read like the articles practically i don't see him him being like having any like white caribbean um family members or anything i could be wrong read the whole thing in it but that's not what i'm getting moving on um oh, Kano come on fuck's sake however <laughs> however um Kano has partnered up with him to um make this new thing which um you know like I think that has pros and cons because Kano obviously like is of Caribbean descent so Kano said he took inspiration from his childhood memories of visiting his family home in Jamaica um he talks about his recollections which include coconut drops his mum would bring back from road journeys yeah Mm. uh vanilla and raisin ice cream um his mum's favorite julie mangoes um and he said that doppy white is gonna have a rich caramel sweetness (laughs) with aromas of banana mango green thyme all these things and he said this is a quote from him for me whatever i do has to be the real deal this drink comes from me. This is my life, my family story. <clears throat> um, it's inside this bottle and wrapped around this bottle. So he is very passionate and proud of this. He genuinely loves the product um, and he thinks you're going to really, really enjoy it. People that don't even like rum, he said, if it's not even their thing, they're going to have a great experience and he encourages his peers to taste it. Okay, no, I encourage you to start your own thing since you have the family background, the family history, it's about your family. I encourage you to start your own thing and rival this stupidness that's mm. going on right now, Bajen. And also, mm. can we make sure that this shit that you're, you lot, you lot use the fucking Caribbean, you use Jamaica as a fucking marketing tool for your capitalist ventures and don't take Eek. no money back and fucking invest in Jamaica. Fuck Eek. all of you, man, yeah? That's all I have to let's, say, including you. Let's Kenya. hope. Let's hope that he is going to reinvest because we don't have any info on that. And I'm going to hope that he does, but you're correct. It is not very commonly done. Fingers crossed. And you know what? Like, I don't know. I think... No, I agree. I was going to try and back it in some way, but I agree with what you just said. Okay, next. Um, (laughs) And finally. So, Nicki Minaj. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys are aware, she's had a lot to say. Uh, this happened about a week ago, but as you know, we, we rotate news. Um, but I couldn't let, I couldn't not discuss this. Yeah, <sighs> after, after we'd recorded, because I saw it and I was mm. like, <laughs> <laughs> So Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj, sorry, tweeted the following. 
My cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. I hope your man turns it into potent. The immediate response was, this woman that called off the wedding was right to do so because I believe that man is cheating and may have an STD. Um, (laughs) Which is probably causing impotence. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. um, Honestly, her tweeting this out to her massive audience. Guys, the barbs... The barbs are strong, and for you to tweet this out, it's very irresponsible. Um, scientists were in her mention saying, like, girl, if you want to chat to me about the vaccine, I'm happy to talk. Much love, be safe. Um, the Nicki Minaj... was up in there. Oh, yeah, I got all that. <laughs> so Nicki Minaj started saying that um, she never... Basically, she said, um, please show me where I said that I'm worried about anything or that I don't want to get the vaccine or any of this, which I thought was a bit of semantics because, like... For you to tweet that out, you're showing your concern about the vaccine and that, and you're saying that there's a link there. Otherwise, why tweet it? Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, I think she was reaching a little bit there. Um, but yeah, so then... After everyone getting in her business, Piers Morgan um, came to the table because when black women speak, Piers Morgan is, is right around the corner. Um, Coming like Boosie and Lil Nas X, that kind of relationship. Anyway... So, um, <laughs> Piers Morgan called Nicki Minaj a rude little madam. Um, he said that she don't know what she's talking about, yada, 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 which of course you, I agree with that part, but the rude little it. madam, the rude little madam, okay, which Nicki Minaj then put in her Twitter by a rudest little madam with a little uh, Union Jack flag, which I thought was hilarious, but, um, so he was moaning because one time Nicki didn't apparently take a picture with his son. Nikki was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I always take pictures. Maybe someone lied on my name. I don't know. And I don't really care. Um, then Boris Johnson got involved. I'm not joking. Um, Boris was saying he doesn't know who Nicki Minaj is. Um, he's not very familiar with her music, but um, he doesn't support that message. And then this was the point where Nicki Minaj went into Roman. As you know, that Roman's her... British alter ego and she started like oh didn't you oh man Roman is Roman's hilarious um I have a little clip here I'm gonna try play it and then see how it comes out and then like keep it in if I want to keep it in but um she made a whole little recording for Boris Johnson on Twitter as follows hello Prime Minister Boris it's Nicki Minaj um, I was just uh, calling to tell you that I thought you were so amazing on the news this morning. <laughs> and I'm actually British. Um, I was born there. I, I went to university there. I went to Oxford. It goes on and on. That was what she tried to do with her evening. Um, speaking of Boris Johnson, actually, he... Man's finally confirmed he has six youths and seven on the way. He's confirmed the number. Um, in case anyone cared... Uh, four with a previous wife, one from an affair, one with a current partner, and one on the way. And he told us all that he's very hands-on and changes a lot of nappies. Um, so, of course, in case you're worried about that, instead of, you know, how the country is uh, burning, that's news for you. Also, um, Nicki Minaj, one, you need to divorce your man and, and send him packing. Yesterday. One, you shouldn't be meddling in shit that you don't know and mm-hmm. sharing opinions to 
hundreds of millions of people, however million whatever followers you got. Boris, is your passport gonna get confiscated now because you're not paying child support? This is what I wanna know. Great question. Great question. Also about Nicki Minaj, um that's a great point. Leave your man. Also, maybe she was doing all this to kind of like deflect, I don't know, but it just seems very random. For real. For real, for real, for real. That's that's what you're doing. And also ban you Rihanna as well. With your what did Rihanna man. say or do? What, oh, what right. are you talking about? Chilling with Nicki Minaj and her baby father. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Why were they chilling? Some... What award ceremony was it? Met the Met Gala, I think it was. No, like. yeah, I, I, I remember the I remember the pics. I don't know what, why waste, they were man. chilling. Waste, man. Just always. I start to think like, is there something that I don't know? Like as to why Rihanna would allow that, and I'm like, there can't be because that's just foul behavior. Like, your if your friend's man's a rapist, like unfortunately, Foot there's no like- friendship here. Madness to me. Anyway, to finish that story, apparently, allegedly, Nicki Minaj has been invited to the White House to speak about this. Um, don't know who's tuning into that, but if you want to, feel free. There are now uh, disclaimers on her posts on Instagram, which say, like, um, there's missing context here. Um, this information has been reviewed by independent fact checks in another post. And it's like, please click here for the real tea. So, yeah, guys, just um, there's been no links, proven links or evidence between the vaccine and your man's testicles being swollen. So if you're seeing that, I would maybe go for his phone. Okay, so um, <laughs> that's for you, ma'am. That's the end of the news. Thank you for coming with me on that journey. Bless. Should we get into the main segment? Let's do it. Uh, this week is a review. So every two week, every three weeks, we do a review. This week's review is Blue Story. Um, do you want me to do synopsis? Or do yes, please. Some? Okay, I'll do a quick synopsis for you guys. So, Blue Story is uh, a tale of two best friends, Marco from Peckham and Timmy from Deptford both southeast by the way who become enemies in a violent postcode war the story is based on events of Ratman, who is the director writer and narrator of blue stories his own personal experience it depicts real life gangs the peckham boys and the ghetto boys it was released the 22nd of november 2019 also it grossed 4.7 million at the box office and it was made with a budget of 1.3 million i believe so hmm. for a debut film props yeah big things yeah props 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 yeah, so should we get into it? <clears throat> yeah, um, I saw it in the cinema when it came out. Um, and there were actually, like, there's quite a lot of uh, commotion uh, at cinemas because they locked off some venues, do you remember? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's one of the last uh, viewings that I, was, that I was on, that I was able to watch before they started locking off. Uh, and, yeah, I thought, when I watched it, I thought it was all right. I wasn't blown away. Uh, obviously, like, there's a lot of films like this. Um, I also... I find some of the dialogue kind of cringy. Very. Like sometimes, very, it, very. Sometimes, sometimes it feels very forced and like, but, it, but it's surprising and confusing because the people involved in this, like Ratman and a couple of others, claim to have lived this life. Mm, does he claim to no, live no, that no, life? No, he, he doesn't. He didn't. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, but a couple of others who claim to like have been about this, which is why they're inspired to be part of these projects. But then when they speak, uh, it sounds like someone who, like, pretending to know what they're talking about like i'm just like what's what's happening like it feels like something's <laughs> missing <laughs> like i don't know but then i don't know who, who am i what were your thoughts though um i i think it it i want to say that it was an important film in terms of 
actually having a young black man take something from YouTube and bring it to the box office, get BBC funding as much as like fuck the BBC, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then it was purchased, the rights were distribution rights were purchased by, oh shit, who was it? It's not Paramount or was it Warner Brothers? Maybe it was Paramount. Mm. Anyway, one of these big names. So I think okay. that was that was Im- I- important. I think um, in terms of the audience, I don't think I was specifically the audience. Like I don't mm-hmm. think it was targeted at That's my age group. That's a good point, actually. But I think the age group for which it was targeted at. So I'm I'm thinking like secondary school up to college, probably early uni, maybe that kind of age bracket. I think it was an important. Um, film and narrative to be to be shared at the cinema you know like because i think for for some for some young people the the storyline of them becoming enemies simply because they live in two different postcodes is very relatable Mm -hmm. and for some of them like the the ending and showing how like the cyclical nature of the violence that happens Mm -hmm. when you live in these kind of areas in london shown may may in some young people inspire them to do something different you know and i think Like there might be a small chance of it, but I thought that 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 it, it was nice that that was I don't want to say nice, but like you know what I mean. It was that, needed. Yeah, that I, was I, I can I can agree with that because especially um, if you're younger and you're involved with people that are violent and, and live in these lifestyles. Yeah, I, I said violent specifically because sometimes you're thrown into this world and you're not a violent person. Do you know what I'm saying? But those that choose to live, I can't say choose to live violently, but those that are living violently, yeah some girls might be attracted to that kind of lifestyle and watching that film, seeing how things can go left very quickly, I think was very important because you kind of feel like, oh, maybe you're immune to it or like um, not really being aware of the realities of the situation. So I think that was important. Um, I think also telling um, Switcher's story was very important. Uh, Michael Ward's older brother. Yeah. I think that story was very important. Um because people often talk about, you know, you're, you're going to end up dead or in a jail cell, but they never talk about um, injuries that you might suffer. Well, not, not never talk about, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's a it's a less um, spoken about story, like injuries that you can still be living with and like, how that can affect your mental and how like how hard it was for his mum as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the way that estates are set up in the UK or at, like certain postcodes where not enough government funding comes in there's literally nothing for young people to do because most of the youth clubs close like if i think Mm -hmm. back to when my brothers were younger like there was on every estate there was a youth club and there was Mm -hmm. things going on you know and like slowly but surely they started closing them and stuff and a lot of you know the parents are working Mm -hmm. uh so the kids are quote-unquote unattended yeah and then it's all about like seeking community because essentially that's what that's what the narratives were talking about how you know it's about belonging to some some something mm-hmm. i think i think generally that's the idea that i got from it anyway and from my own experiences of not screwing up on it I'm joking. anyway <laughs> um, not here but but even even that when i when i when i saw some of the stories i actually thought about people who i grew up with and how their lives took certain directions specifically because of like knife violence that happened mm-hmm. to them. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and what they experienced and them not even wanting to like participate in that kind of culture. Cause you saw like Timmy, he didn't want to, he didn't want to be part no. of that. Man, man was Timmy was a good youth. He was a good youth. He just wanted to be at school. And even Marco, Marco was a good youth. He didn't want to be dragged into that either. Like his, his brother trying... put pressure on him. Exactly. Um, 
And it's that whole thing as well, like you said, like finding community and then also feeling like you're you're not a man or you're letting people down. Um, yeah, because there was a scene when Switcher was going out and he grabbed he grabbed a weapon and he was heading out the door and his little brother said to him, do you want me to come with you? And he said, see, you're not meant to ask if, if, if I want you to come with me, you're meant to just want to come anyway. And it's like, this is like a lot for pe- on people's mental and like their psyche growing up to be essentially drafted do you know what I mean like yeah. <laughs> that's what it is um, um yeah I know you spoke about like some of the dialogue being unrealistic but what I found interesting was there's a scene um so obviously Timmy comes from a West African background I want to say and mm-hmm. and um Marco comes from a Caribbean background I want to say Jamaican but yeah I feel I feel like it was Jamaican background but there was a scene where they're in the kitchen talking and like and Marco talks about how he had jollof rice or whatever mm-hmm. and his brother makes like a comment like, Oh this is not me saying this before anybody tries that actually this is from the film. <laughs> Something about like bubble scratches food or some shit like that, like mm-hmm. I can't believe you tried it. And it just made me think about like the wars that happened in secondary school between yeah. Jamaicans versus, and I'm going to say Africans in terms of like m- majority um, of the kids Nigerians school, and Ghanaians. Nigerians and Ghanaians, and that's why I'm using the collective term African mm. in that sense. But like, would be warring each other, making like snide comments and like mm. all that shit. So, I, as much as the dialogue was like cringe and stuff, I felt like there were some bits that like I, I could pull out and I could be like, oh yeah, okay, for sure. I remember this kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Sorry, that was no, a really I, long point to say that, sorry. No, it wasn't. Like, I definitely agree. Yeah, fully. There were certain parts where I was like, okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. But in, yeah. Um, even you mentioned, like, the controversy around it, so obviously when it came out, there, there was, before it even, obviously during promo time, there was a lot of, like, think pieces, if I remember correctly, think pieces and stuff coming out about it that... Mm-hmm. We're really kind of like in the media ramping up this idea that oh it's it's gonna lead to this kind of violence and obviously that that feeds into what then actually happens. So yeah, I, I know that like in one of the screenings in Birmingham because that's what triggered like the view and showcase deciding to stop the film. Like apparently somebody some young people and I'm doing air quotes here attacked police with a machete. Five teenagers were arrested. And in one of the articles, they love to mention how there, there was um, a screening of Frozen 2 happening. You know, this mm. whole idea to like juxtapose it against, oh, this violent film is happening and there are just families trying to take their kids to go and watch fucking Frozen. I mm. really disliked that. That was really disgusting. Yeah, obviously, because this is cinema. Obviously, there's going to be other films being shown. It, exactly. And then uh, I know that apparently like disorder happened and then like this, the... Uh, the center that it was being shown at had to be evacuated and this resulted in like the view cancelling screenings and showcase i think it's showcase cinemas i don't, I don't know them I don't okay know yeah them yeah before. i think it's yeah. outside of london thing um like no no the- showcase there's one in wood green there's an enfield there's a couple of them don't but- know those ends don't know them. <laughs> not my bits in it but like <laughs> um yeah they closed them and then obviously everybody went into like uproar as in black people were like bruv this is racist which clearly Mm -hmm. is and we all know that it is and it Mm -hmm. was all about the fact that it was a a black black british film essentially yeah it it can be classed as a black british film um talking about black british experiences which are fucking true you know i know that the showcase reinstated like the the screenings and then view was like we'll reinstate them what with increased security and i just like yeah Black, young black people talking about their actual experiences. Like, even when they, they want to speak about their experiences, their experiences are policed and then, like, people yeah. who, who want to 
support and acknowledge the work that they've done are being policed. It's just like burn the UK, just burn all of you, man. I feel like I say yeah. this every week on here, but like <laughs> burn the UK. <laughs> but yeah but yeah yeah i think that um like you were saying before as well i just wanted to like double or triple agree like some of the scenes i feel like were really uh emotive as well like mm. i've forgotten half their names i'm not gonna lie to you but um when one of them was lying on the floor one of the guys and he was like bleeding out mm-hmm. and his boy was there and he was like saying um but like, you're gonna pull through but like i have to duck because like feds are coming and he went to run off and it was mm. like listen that shit is so, is so fucked because in his last moments or what like he thinks are his last moments to be lying there and like being alone mm-hmm. because obviously do you know what I mean? It's just like I think it's a lot for someone who may be like involved in certain things to see that and think about like can you imagine if that was to happen like how you would feel? Do you know what I mean? Then of course we have um, I guess we should talk about um, Leah because she died. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I I was a bit um, unsure. I was like, did I remember that correctly? Yeah. But yeah, um, that was really unfortunate. And then I guess like, to be honest, even Timmy's story, that ending, man. As someone who is very scared of confined spaces, mm-hmm. that ending. I think it was done really well, though. I think it was a really, I think it was shot really well. I think it was. Um, I think it did what it was supposed to do. I can't really fault that those those last scenes. I don't know what you think. No, no, no. I I definitely agree. I like you said. I think it it did what it was meant to do, and I think that that mm. was really telling a narrative that is actually true. Well, true to Ratman, as mm-hmm. it was based on his experiences growing up, and I mm-hmm. think true to a lot of young black British people. Um, I like that they're like, you know, even like the soundtrack, the music was really just yeah. made me really like kind of like nostalgic um, for like my younger years, many moons ago. <laughs> um, but also just saying like with some of those scenes, you just, when you even saying like talking about that scene, like my blood went cold because yeah. of people who I've, I know, I knew growing up that mm-hmm. had those experiences. And it's this whole thing, I, I think, looking at it from i think what needs to be acknowledged is that these are young these are teenagers that are actually experiencing very very traumatic things like Mm -hmm. seeing their friends pass away like being involved in violence like and then they're just having to continue and go to school the next day yeah (laughs) it's mad and a lot of them are groomed into thinking that they are untouchable as well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or like immortal, which can just add to um, add to the madness of it, really. Like, but you're right. Like, because when I was looking at all the school scenes, I was getting like very nostalgic. You know, like when, when uh, they started like singing together, or like any of the bus yeah. scenes, yeah. or like going corner shop. You know, going like we'd be like, party on the bus. Like, do you know what? what I mean? Like, it was all like so. The memories were were real, but it's like. For some people, obviously, like going to school and that, like that is their escape. First of all, mm. that that becomes mm-hmm. their only like, mm-hmm. um, well, quote unquote, safe place. But then sometimes it's not the safe place. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, yeah I, I think that the film did touch on like a lot of issues. Like it, it did it did it quite well. It really um, did. I think what should be pulled from it is the fact that young people 
especially young black people you need to invest in these communities like you actually Mm -hmm. really need to invest in these communities so that young people have things to do that even when this stuff is going on that they need support like where's where are the mental health teams supporting all of these young people like yeah well they don't i just i've seen so many so many people i know that have been touched by like these Mm, kinds of experiences and their mental health is just like finished yeah it actually makes me want to cry but I yeah. think I did see um, some people saying like, you know, we don't need another film like this. Um, and I kind of wanted to counter that by, obviously I understand like black people can do more than make films about gangs or slavery or any of that. I, I do support that. But what I would say is like, and this could be a, a wrong statement, but you know, like how we had films like um, Kid yeah. I don't know if the kids now have watched Kid Hood. I don't know. Definitely, probably not. Probably. Um, it's probably a mixture, do you know what I mean? Mm. But I think you have to remember that when, as you said, like, target audience is important. Like, when this film came out, for those that haven't seen Kid Hood, which explores um, some same themes and some different ones, this mm-hmm. can be something, like, a point of reference for them. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if someone who is, um, like, of college age watch kid adulthood if like it would resonate because i don't remember like I'm, I'm sure that the things are similar but you know how it's like it's a different time yeah, yeah things yeah, are different definitely, definitely. so i feel like i feel like there there is a place for these kind of film films um and i think it was great that it came from rap man as well mm-hmm. and yeah like i think we can still have these films and explore other diverse themes as well in other films i don't think we, we have do to both. be like we can do both. yeah i feel like the space is big do you know what i mean like exactly. Um, and I know it gives white people ammunition when they see these films. And, and part of me doesn't like the fact that, that these films are available to white people. <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> because I feel like when they get into the wrong hands sometimes, they use it as like ammunition um, against the community or like to try and say like, this is all you lot are doing. I'm like, taking the, the wrong messages from it. And... I think some black people get worried about being portrayed and only seen in a certain way because of these films, like speaking, like like um, amplifying what's happening in, in the communities. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but we need to talk up our things in it. We need to speak our narratives. And mm-hmm. any any white person that comes to it and uses it as ammunition is somebody mm-hmm. who's not able to critically think and to assess uh, why does this context exist. Yeah. If you, if you can't if you can't assess that then obviously you're definitely a racist but mm. like also you have no basic critical thinking skills like yeah. and, and we can't as black people we can't always be af- afraid of like talking up the things because of like the white gaze but man don't have mm. time for that like the white gaze is going to be there or not do you know what i mean that's My, that should yeah. be our focus i i definitely agree uh, i think the issue is like a lot of funding would come from these same people mm-hmm. who will then use it as an excuse to not help which is why we need to like invest in our own communities but as we've already said way easier said than done like there are many grassroots organizations doing doing the things doing the best they can and it's just it's just like difficult so yeah i think it was good they showed um because marco went he went prison right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's good um and then they included that yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way he dropped that for life um <laughs> because he, he had like a little dilemma of what to do um about timmy 
you can kind of see like his internal like um War. his mind yeah, ticking sure. over yeah yeah mm-hmm. um because obviously like what happened to his brother and that but yeah man it's and like you say it's really kids that this is happening to and a lot of olders yeah like in certain areas you expect them or, or like you would hope that um they could be like a, a guiding force or like a guiding family figure but it's never really it's very rarely the case and often it's more like um pressure manipulation just more and more problems for these young people to deal with daily along with their homework mm. oh, so yeah these older figures shouldn't have to be these kind of like guiding lights anyway agreed for them a lot of them their childhood and stuff gets robbed but that's a whole different no you're right you're right that's a whole different issue but what would you rate what would you rate it hmm i think it was a great point you made about me maybe not being the target audience uh based on my age um taking that into account i think i will give it a seven Hmm. how do you feel that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with a seven. Um, I know I wasn't a target audience. I thought it brought up some very important themes. Um, and I thought, like, as much as, like you said, the dialogue was cringe, I thought it was quite quite well done in it. But who am I? Yeah, like, it was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dialogue, it was mixed. There were some times when I was like, what's going on here? But then the overall message um, definitely um, was overriding for me. So it was it was a minor in the end. Alright, cool. Um, so you guys may have noticed that um, I dropped off doing um, like pastor letters. Mm. Um, so in place of that, this week I have uh, a story that's going around the internet that I thought I would bring to your guys' attention. It's similar to like an advice, uh, kind of like dear whoever situation, and I thought maybe Daria could give us her advice. Um, but again, Jesus can advise you. That's what I'm telling you from now. Pardon? I said only Jesus can advise you. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is a fun internet conundrum. True or false? I'm reading it to you today. So, um, my husband is mourning his dead mistress. <laughs> <laughs> Already, I'm, I've closed the tab. I don't care. But here we are. Um, three months ago. The woman who was having an affair with my husband died suddenly from an accident. I found out about the affair only two days after her funeral. I thought she was simply a co-worker, probably a work wife, and I was wondering why my husband was so disturbed and emotional. He quit his job, saying it was too traumatic to go to work. Oh! Mm-hmm. She was in the early weeks of pregnancy when she died, and my husband doesn't know whether he or her husband was the father. Oh, oh someone else is involved. Yeah, messy, bitch. So... On top of everything, he's also grieving for a baby which may or may not have been his. I find it extremely difficult to be emotionally supportive when he wakes up at 3am crying and trembling. Yet I don't have the heart to yell at him like I want to. He says she's dead, so there's no reason for me to feel jealous or threatened and ask for my understanding as he grieves. We've barely talked these last weeks because I don't know how to respond to my husband when he cries and says he misses her and wishes she was here, then also how much he loves me and that he never intended to leave me. I asked him to visit a marriage therapist together and he said he's not ready to work on our marriage and thinks he needs to see a grief therapist instead. Do I need to give him time to mourn the loss of his mistress or should I demand he focus on our marriage? Okay, my advice. Sis, get your bags. Go see a divorce lawyer. (laughs) Get your divorce in check. 
tell your ex-husband, soon to be mm-hmm. ex-husband, that he should see a grief counselor and continue with his life without you. That's yeah. advice. Because I don't so understand to, to the yet. point. Mm. I don't understand yet. So many, or I do understand. Um, if you read Alex's book, uh, Alex Reed's book, Time to Talk, then maybe you'll get a better understanding of this. But like, <laughs> why men expect women to uh, extend so much empathy towards them? Patience, understanding, compassion. They have done an absolute fuckery. You telling me you was fucking this woman while we're married, and this woman—I didn't even know that you was fucking this woman. I only found out about this woman because she did dead. Mm-hmm. And now I'm supposed to comfort you in your grief. Whilst, what about my grief? What about my grief in grieving the fact that this man I was married to was out fucking the next was woman? Was a dog. Mm. Listen, pack your bags, get your divorce lawyer. Keep keep it keep it moving. Grieve, sis. Do what you need to do because you're obviously going to be grieving that relationship. And then keep it moving, bro. Look look after yourself, yeah. I agree one hundred percent. And I think sometimes we shouldn't do things based on others' actions. But take a minute and think: if the roles were reversed and your work husband passed away, would he be comforting you? Have a little think. And even if he would, I don't care. It's time to go. Okay, so. Um, that's the end of that. Do you have any big ups? Uh, I did have... No, I'm going to do it next week because I want to actually go and DR about it. I don't want to keep... Okay. Going. We're looking forward to it. I don't have one um, either this week. So if you could please just tell us what made you happy and we can be on our way. Um, new music. New music. New music made me happy. Just when I discovered new artists from like... I found a new artist from Cape Verde. I found a new artist from Germany. Obviously black because... I've been listening to black music mostly. Mm. Um, but yeah, so good vibes, new music. That yeah. Happy this week. What about you? Maybe um, sometime you can share some stuff with us if you if you feel so inclined. Please. Um, for me, myself and I, I had a lovely day. I went to um, Bedford for like a track day. I was out there living my best life. Um, I love cars. I love everything about cars. So that was great for me. And that's what made me happy this week. Lovely. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, stay blessed. Um, the pandemic isn't over. Just mm-hmm. want to say that. Remind you. Yeah, remind you. Because a lot of people have forgotten. So keep washing your hands. Mm-hmm. I also want to say prioritise yourself as much as you can in any given situation. If it makes sense to do that. And take care of yourself. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you.